This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The great Twitter and Facebook masquerade is over. Posing as disinterested and neutral media platforms, they have unmasked themselves as partisan protectors of Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and propaganda advocates of the progressive cause. It is time that Twitter and Facebook be forced to halt their destructive practices or be broken up. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is the brief with Greg Jarrett. Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Jarrett. Welcome to the brief. Twitter and Facebook, two technology giants, wield way too much marketplace power in the ever-expanding social media universe. With power, inevitably comes abuse. This was on full display Wednesday when both Twitter and Facebook blocked access to a New York Post story offering stunning email evidence that Joe Biden exploited his position as vice president to financially benefit his own son, Hunter Biden. Now, if the Post's evidence is authentic, and it appears to be, it would put a lie to the candidate's previous denials that he engaged in influence peddling and knew nothing at all about his son's business dealings. Among the incriminating emails is a smoking gun message from a top executive at the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma thanking Hunter Biden for arranging a meeting with his dad in Washington. The son was being paid a minimum of $50,000 a month by Burisma to sit on its board of directors, even though Hunter Biden had absolutely no experience in either natural gas or Ukrainian affairs. The Post later pegged his full salary at $83,000 per month. As Hunter Biden was pocketing all this heavy cash, his company, Burisma, was under siege for suspected corrupt practices, and they were searching desperately for a way to quash any government action against it. Emails from Burisma asked Hunter Biden to tap his influence. Message received loud and clear, dear old dad came to the rescue. When the Post story on all of this broke early Wednesday, the Biden campaign called a complete lid on all person activities for the day. It wasn't even 10 a.m. And the nominee was hiding from reporters, retreating in his bunker, instituting a phalanx strategy. A carefully worded statement was issued, insisting that Joe Biden's official schedules showed no such meeting with a Burisma executive. This was a classic non-denial denial. 
Nobody was buying it. By the end of the day, the campaign was conceding that an informal meeting might have occurred. In every other aspect, the core of the Post story and the veracity of the emails were not disputed by Joe Biden or his campaign. It's obvious to anyone with an ounce of common sense why Hunter Biden was being paid such an exorbitant, outlandish sum of money each and every month, despite his utter lack of qualifications. Burisma was in deep trouble. So it did what corrupt actors always seem to do. It searched for a powerful political figure who could exert pressure on Ukraine to leave the company alone. Joe Biden fit the bill perfectly. He was the vital point person, after all, in the Obama administration's foreign policy directives to Ukraine. Something had to be done to help Burisma avoid the legal peril in Ukraine and to keep Hunter Biden's lucrative gravy train chugging along. Sure enough, the elder Biden intervened, and he later bragged about it on camera. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a got fired. The arrogance of Joe Biden is really quite breathtaking. He regaled an adoring Washington audience with the story of how he threatened to withhold a billion dollars in USA to Ukraine unless the chief prosecutor, Victor Shokin, was fired from his job. What Biden conveniently left out of that story is that his own son, Hunter Biden, profited handsomely from his father's brazen shakedown. The prosecutor, Shokin, is on record stating that he was poised to launch a criminal investigation of Burisma where Hunter Biden was employed. But suddenly, with his termination, thanks to Joe Biden's, well, let's call it bribery, extortion threat, all of that magically vanished overnight. Poof, it was gone. What inexorable conclusion can we draw from this? Well, the evidence is compelling and persuasive that then-Vice President Joe Biden used the powers of his high office and taxpayer money to take action that benefited a foreign company that was paying his son. Now, is that a crime? Well, it could be. It certainly merits an investigation because it's a felony. For a public official to confer a benefit to a foreign government, for example, a billion dollars in financial assistance, in exchange for something of value to himself or a relative, i.e. Hunter Biden. While it's true that not all acts of wrongdoing constitute crimes, the facts as presented by the New York Post deserve intense scrutiny by both the media and especially American voters who are poised to cast, and in some states have already cast, their ballots in the upcoming presidential election. Isn't the electorate entitled to more information, not less? Well, the answer is a resounding yes.
Let's remember that in his pointed attacks on President Trump, Joe Biden has made character and corruption a top issue. So too have many Democrats and most people in the mainstream media. So ask yourself this. Shouldn't Joe Biden be held to the very same standard of fitness and rectitude that he demands of his opponent? Well, of course he should. Thus, Joe Biden has unwittingly invited the very scrutiny he now deserves. And yet Twitter and Facebook, and most in the mainstream media, have sought to actively suppress the evidence reported by the New York Post. Why? Here's Senator Josh Hawley. The biggest point of all is, why is Facebook and Twitter, why are they doing the bidding of the Biden campaign? Why is it that Joe Biden can snap his fingers and these monopolies, the biggest monopolies in America, just do his bidding and refuse to allow this story to be reported? Now, you've got these tech companies trying to control journalism, trying to control news, trying to control what Americans can talk about in a presidential election. And we've only got 19 days to go. It's unbelievable. It's a racket. It's collusion between Biden and the big tech companies, and it's got to stop. Senator Hawley is 100 percent correct. But Facebook and Twitter had to come up with some kind of an excuse when it blocked the New York Post article on Joe Biden. This is when the story gets even more complicated. So bear with me. It turns out that the damning emails come from a laptop computer almost certainly belonging to Hunter Biden. It was dropped off at a repair shop in Delaware and never retrieved by its owner. It is filled with communications sent and received by Hunter Biden, as well as photographs of him in what the New York Post describes as a raunchy videotape of Hunter smoking crack and having sex with an unidentified woman. Again, neither Joe Biden nor his son have disputed that this was Hunter's laptop containing all of the compromising email communications and lascivious images. In the process of fixing the computer, the shop owner discovered the disturbing material. He grew alarmed about its content, so he notified the FBI. Armed with a subpoena issued by a Delaware grand jury, the Bureau seized the laptop and its hard drive in December of last year. What followed was conspicuous silence. No meaningful action was taken. Was the FBI burying the evidence to protect Joe Biden? Well, it sure looks like it. Concerned that the evidence of wrongdoing involving a presidential candidate was being scrupulously hidden As the election draws near, the shop owner decided to give a copy of the hard drive to President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. From there, the New York Post gained access and reported its contents. Almost immediately, Facebook initiated a blackout maneuver, reducing the ability of users to distribute the New York Post article and its supporting email evidence. Facebook described the story as, quote, potentially harmful. Facebook claimed it hadn't verified its legitimacy. In making that announcement, the tech company's policy communications manager, who just happens to be a longtime Democrat operative, was enunciating an absurd rule. Think about it. Nearly every major story is 
potentially harmful to someone. So if the term potential harm is somehow the new standard by which posts are prohibited, then Facebook would have no media traffic at all. Moreover, since when does Facebook verify the legitimacy of articles that are damaging to President Trump? Well, the answer is obvious. It's never. Think of all the collusion stories that were peddled by major news organizations that were totally unverified and demonstrably wrong. Facebook didn't restrict or ban those. In fact, you can still read them on Facebook. The phony dossier. Well, it's still there, even though it was discredited by the FBI itself. Facebook has no problem with perpetuating a now obvious lie because it's still damaging to Donald Trump. If there was a dossier that was damaging to Biden, Facebook would light a stick of dynamite in it. Here's a more recent example of Facebook's political bias and selective control over content. The tech company did not restrict or ban access to a New York Times harmful story on Trump's taxes that was based on unnamed anonymous sources and documents that the newspaper refused to produce. Yet the New York Post is not permitted to post its story on Biden based on documents it actually did produce. This is nothing more than dishonest and dangerous censorship motivated by political bias. And it's also, this is very important, an effort to influence a presidential election by the withholding of relevant information. But Facebook was not the Lone Ranger. Twitter also banned the New York Post story, claiming that it violated, get this, its hacked materials policy. That's right. Except that the material wasn't hacked at all. Now, hacking is unauthorized access. That's the definition. The repair shop was actually granted authorized access to fix the water-damaged laptop. Thereafter, the device was abandoned without compensation for all the work that was done. That gave the repair shop what is known in the law as constructive ownership. So explain this, Twitter. Where exactly was the hacking? I'll help you out with the answer. It doesn't exist because it never happened. But Twitter thinks you're stupid and will buy the company's BS. Twitter's excuse for repressing the New York Post story is, in a word, inane. But there's more to it. It disingenuously declared that its overall policy, quote, prohibits content obtained without authorization. Really? Twitter must have forgotten the millions of stories it has allowed that were anonymously sourced from leaked classified documents that were illegally obtained and disseminated. You could fill an ocean with all these stories that were, quote, obtained without authorization. Twitter should do a Google search to refresh its recollection. Senator Ted Cruz was livid. This is election interference, and we are 19 days out from an election. It has no precedent in the history of democracy. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. Chairman Lindsey Graham and I have discussed this at length, and the committee today 
will be noticing a markup on Tuesday to issue a subpoena to Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee next Friday to come before this committee and the American people and explain why Twitter is abusing their corporate power to silence the press and to cover up allegations of corruption. Later, Senator Cruz appeared on Fox News. Let me be very clear. Twitter is interfering in this election. They are censoring the press. I I don't know if these New York Post stories are are accurate or not. The New York Post has the fourth largest circulation of any newspaper in America. And right now, Jack Dorsey is just behaving as Joe Biden's press secretary. It is censorship. It is wrong. And what I announced today is the Senate Judiciary Committee on Tuesday will be voting to subpoena Jack Dorsey to come before the Judiciary Committee and testify next Friday and answer questions as to why he's interfering in this election and why he is censoring the press and trying to hide Joe Biden from any scrutiny or any allegations of corruption. Big tech censorship has always been bad, but they really crossed a line in the last 24 hours. I'm not aware of their previously actively censoring major press outlets. It's, it's, not, it's not really any different than Twitter so, blocking Fox News from sending out a story. Look, Fox News may be right or wrong. The New York Post may be right or wrong. But silencing the media is a direct violation of the principles of the First Amendment. After the cacophony of condemnation, Twitter's CEO Jack Dorsey tweeted a muddled message that his company had, well, gosh, we mishandled the situation. But then he blamed it all on a communications failure, neglecting to properly explain to everyone why Twitter was blocking the New York Post story on Joe Biden. Right. Does that sound familiar to you? You know, it's always a communications problem, isn't it? Especially when the bad actor is in the business of communications. But Twitter's blackout continued unabated. By Thursday night, Twitter announced it would revise its rules somewhat. When you dig right down into these new changes, it's a mirage. I'm not buying it at all. They're just trying to throw buckets of cold water on the blazing fire. These so-called changes are changes in name only. The unconscionable actions of these two tech giants has produced such outrage that it only managed to elevate, not suppress, the Post story about Biden. While there is some satisfaction in that boomerang effect, there is no doubt whatsoever that both Twitter and Facebook will continue their partisan manipulation of information until they are stopped. Congress is now duty-bound to impose new restrictions on such marketplace abuse. The first thing that should be done is to get rid of the liability protections that Congress gave such tech companies years ago. It was dumb then. It's dumber now. Once more, Senator Josh Hawley. What needs to happen is Americans need to be able to sue these companies. You know, if you've been locked out of Twitter or if, if you can't to distribute this New York Post article on Facebook, you ought to be able to sue them. You could do that with another company, but you can't do it with Facebook and Twitter, Google, 
because of the special sweetheart deal they get from the federal government. And by the way, that's how they've gotten so big and powerful. They haven't done this on their own. They've gotten to be these monopolies because the government 20 years ago gave them this sweetheart deal and it's time for it to end. That is step number one. Congress has to get rid of these idiotic liability protections. Step number two, the Department of Justice must levy severe penalties against both Twitter and Facebook, or preferably, this is my preference, breaking up both companies for their monopolistic practices under existing antitrust laws. Too much power and little accountability is a recipe for destructive behavior anathema to our cherished freedoms. Like a witness who incriminates himself, the politically driven decisions by Facebook and Twitter are the best evidence against them. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, I own Facebook shares that I bought years ago during its initial public offering. I have confidence in the service that Facebook is supposed to provide, but I have absolutely no confidence in its chief executive officer, Mark Zuckerberg. He is not competent and experienced enough to run Facebook. And the same thing goes for Twitter's CEO, Jack Dorsey. He has proven time and again he is not equipped to run Twitter. Neither of these people should be at the helm of the powerful platforms they created. Changes at the top of these important companies are long overdue. Our government has the power to make it happen. But the pivotal, paramount question is this. Does it have the courage to act? And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.